Hello friends, I greet you from the Columbarium here at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. This is sacred space and sacred ground for this community of faith and for many families that are represented here. People come here to reflect on their memories, to lean into God's goodness, to be reminded of God's ever presence. Many hours are spent here over the years to remember people in uh, committal services as they are placed in niches and as people are reminded of God's goodness. Today we are focused on prayer and we are looking in the Gospel of John chapter 17. I'm reading from the CEV and you can read along with me on the screen. So I want to invite you to listen that by faith you may receive God's word for you this day. After Jesus had finished speaking to his disciples, he looked up toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come for you to bring glory to your son in order that he may bring glory to you. And you gave him power over all people so that he would give eternal life to everyone you, gave, you give him. Eternal life is to know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ, the one you sent. I have brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you gave me to do. Now, Father, give me back the glory that I had with you before the world was created. You have given me some followers from this world, and I have shown them what you are like. They were yours, but you gave them to me, and they have obeyed you. They know that you gave me everything I have. I told my followers what you told me, and they accepted it. They know that I came from you, and they believe that you are the one who sent me. I am praying for them, but not for those who belong to this world. My father, followers belong to you, and I am praying for them. All that I have is yours, and all that you have is mine, and they will bring glory to me. Holy Father, I am no longer in the world, I am coming to you, but my followers are still in the world. So keep them safe by the power of the name that you have given me. Then they will be one with each other, just as you and I are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the things that sets this prayer of Jesus apart is its location. Many of the uh, expressions of uh, prayer that Jesus offers in Scripture, many of the stories that we read about Jesus praying are when he is going off to be by himself. He's going off onto uh, the hills, out into the hills, and he's going to be by himself away. And so uh, there aren't necessarily those around him who would hear what he has to say. But in this prayer, Jesus is sitting at the table he has been with his disciples, with his friends. They've shared a meal together. They've probably shared a lot of laughs, a lot of good memories. And then he wants to go to prayer. And so as he prays, his disciples, his friends are sitting right there and they are hearing Jesus, their teacher, their friend. They are hearing him pray for them. They are hearing him forecast what is to come. And they are hearing him talk to his father, to their God, to ask for uh, God's uh, mercy and care on their behalf. We can imagine that this is 
uh, a transformative experience for these disciples as they hear Jesus himself bringing their, their needs and their cares and their welfare to the attention of God. And this got me wondering, what difference would it make for us if we heard Jesus praying for us? If we heard words about us coming directly from Jesus? Would it cause us to hear Jesus's words another way? Or would it make us think of prayer in a different way? As I thought about that for myself, I couldn't help but answer those questions. Yes, yes, and yes, absolutely. The consequence of someone praying on our behalf, and in this case, the, the mere notion that Jesus would be praying on my behalf and that I would be hearing it myself, it's a bit overwhelming. There is power in being prayed for. There is power in lifting up others on their behalf. And in hearing that prayer, there is also power in being the one to pray. When I was first in seminary, as a, as a second career seminarian, uh, I uh, had the experience of doing a pastoral residency, which is uh, the common practice for seminary students is to do a student chaplaincy or a student uh, uh, pastoring experience in a congregation. And so I was working with the church. I had just started uh, in a church in Allentown, New Jersey, very close to Princeton, where I was in seminary. And I'd been uh, in that role for maybe two weeks. Uh, although I was a, a bit older than some of my student colleagues, uh, I was new at this. And so when the pastor called me, and said that a congregant was in the hospital in Princeton, and I was much closer to that person at the time, the pastor asked me to go and pay him a visit. He was not expected to live, and his wife was with him. And would I be willing to go there and to offer prayer? With admittedly a tremendous amount of fear and trepidation, I went to see him in the hospital. The whole way there, I was asking God, what am I going to say? How am I going to be? How am I not going to be anxious? Because Lord, right now I'm very anxious at the mere thought of it. Well, fast forward to the, to the, the time of my walking away from the room. And I remember like it was yesterday, tears welled up in my eyes as I could not believe how the power of the Holy Spirit had moved within me through the prayers that I offered and the mere presence of sitting with him and his wife. I knew at that moment that I was doing the right thing, that I was entering the right field. And I also knew that if God could use the likes of me in such a powerful and transformative way in my own life, and as I've heard from his widow in their lives, then I knew that God could work in the same powerful way in all of our lives, regardless of our call, regardless of our vocation, whatever it is that we uh, do to occupy our time and, and the professions that we have, we all have the power to pray, to pray for ourselves and to pray for one another. It is a gift that God has given to us. Prayer is one of the greatest privileges in this life. And so I want to encourage you to see it that way. We all pray whether we think about it or not. Um, it may not be a, a formalized kneeling at our bedside uh, or uh, clasping our hands and bowing our heads, uh, for we understand these days that prayer can be, uh, be just simply being in nature, 
uh, being with a friend and, uh, and, and, and talking through issues and lifting those issues to God for God's help. I love what Frederick Beekner says. He, he writes this, talk to yourself about your own life, about what you've done and what you've failed to do, about who you are and who you wish you were, and who the people you love are and the people you don't love. Talk to yourself about what matters most to you because if you don't talk to yourself about these things, you may forget what matters to you. I think in this, Buechner is advocating for the, the worthiness, the importance of regular prayer, of praying uh, for ourselves, with ourselves, and on behalf of others in intercession as we pray uh, on behalf of those who are in need. This week, I put a question out on social media asking uh, people about their prayer lives these days. And I wanted to know if they uh, were experiencing a difference in their prayer life in the face of COVID-19, in the uh, midst of living in quarantine and in the midst of uh, rejoining uh, our, our society and, um, and experiencing these, these, uh, these times that are really uncharted territory. As we move into the 10th week or so of this experience, uh, it is less uncharted territory. The, the shine of, of video conference meetings and, and new ways of, of communicating has definitely worn off and there is fatigue. But I was really curious to know if people had thoughts about this. And I have to say, I was overwhelmed that within a few short hours, I had more than 50 responses. And I wanna share with you today just a few of those responses because I think that you might resonate. Uh, they cover the gamut. Um, you might resonate with some of these experiences. One says, I am praying more mostly for others, frontliners and those in power. I pray the same prayers for myself that I be given the courage and the strength to assist others in their mental health journeys. I am increasingly fatigued with dealing with world trauma and having very few solutions and very few answers. I'm definitely grateful that I have a faith that is active. Another writes, it is easy to feel very alone in all of this separation. Life moves forward and life's struggles are still going to happen. Letting someone know that you are praying for them lets them know that you are with them, even if you cannot be together physically. Asking for extra care in watching over those children, trying to learn at home and missing the safety net and the opportunity that school offers and those isolated. I'm praying whether because of those because of age or health or exposure, and gratitude for the beauty of the ordinary day miracles. Another writes, I am praying often that I remember the lessons I am learning during this time, the absolute importance of faith and of family and of friends, the healing power of nature, and to never take anything for granted, to appreciate and never waste the resources that I have, to nurture my relationships and to recognize the blessing of some unstructured time in an all too busy life. And finally, this reflection. I started working at the grocery store as a cashier. Now when I work, I see poverty in the elderly. 
I see people considered at risk with no one to shop for them. Customers tell me about their older parents they cannot visit. I pray for all of them. I see a lot of kindness and grace too. We started a Roundup program last week and people paying with EBT say yes to rounding up. And then they fish their change out to pay the difference. The writer says, I pray for them. Humanity, the layers of humanity I wasn't even seeing before. Prayer. Maybe you can resonate with some of these experiences or as you ponder your own prayer life, how has it changed? Has it increased or decreased? Has the subject matter of your prayers changed? Are you prioritizing things differently? Prayer is intensely personal, but it is also communal. But all of prayer, all of prayer is a gift from God because it is an avenue of communication. It gives us the chance to not be alone, even when we are physically alone in our apartment or in our room or our home, wherever we may happen to be. God is always present with us. And while we may not hear an audible answer, we can trust that in the breeze blowing, in the flowers blooming, in the creation around us, in other experiences of life, God is present and God shows faithfulness. Because God neither slumbers nor sleeps, as the psalmist reminds us. An old hymn says that he walks with me and he talks with me. These are reminders of God's ever-presence in our lives. I love what Rabbi Harold Kushner has to say about the 23rd Psalm. It's a psalm that we lean into often when we are here in the columbarium and we are saying farewell to a loved one, but it's also a psalm that we lean into in challenging and troubled times. Kushner highlights the, the language in Psalm 23, and he talks about the valley of the shadow of death, and he talks about the fact that the shepherd is leading us through the valley of the shadow of death, not to it. So we do not go to the valley of the shadow of death as if to say that that is our final destination. But the psalmist is telling us that our life will have valleys and they will be dark. But the psalmist is also telling us that we have a guide, we have a good shepherd, we have someone to show us the way. And that is the very one, Jesus Christ. Another point that I've picked up over time about the 23rd Psalm is the words, the shadow of death. The shadow of death tells us that there, in order to have a shadow, there has to be light somewhere. And so friends, I wanna just acknowledge, we are in a valley time right now. Our world is hurting, we're hurting. There are challenges before us. We don't know what to deal with. We don't know how to deal with. We don't know what to pray. And yet we have something like the 23rd Psalm to remind us that we're going through something, but we are not staying in this. And not only that, but what we are going through, this dark time, is a dark time with shadows. There is light ahead, there is light around us, and we will get through this uh, because of that light that exists. There is a, a real nice, a book that I was given uh, when I was first entering ministry called Sleeping with Bread. And it highlights the story 
of um, the bombing raids of World War II. Thousands of children were orphaned and they were left to starve. The fortunate ones were rescued and placed in refugee camps where they received food and good care. But many of these children who had lost so much could not sleep at night. They feared waking up to find themselves once again homeless and without food. Nothing seemed to reassure them. Finally, someone hit up on the idea of giving each child a piece of bread to hold at bedtime. Holding their bread, these children could finally sleep in peace. All through the night, that bread reminded them, Today I ate, and tomorrow I will eat again. I offer that story to you today as a source of encouragement, that God provided for us this day, God gave us a new day, and God will provide for us again tomorrow. In recent weeks, you have heard from my colleagues about a method of praying, a prayer opportunity called the examine. And the examine is highlighted in this same book where the story I just shared with you comes from. I want to reiterate what has been shared with the congregation in these recent weeks. The examine is an easy way to check in with God. So if hearing this sermon, you are pondering, well, maybe you're pondering, I don't have much of a prayer life, or I've abandoned my prayer life, or I need uh, to renew my prayer life. I need a, a reinvigoration. Let me suggest the examine as a great way to structure that. It's an easy thing to do. Simply light a candle to be reminded of the light of Christ in your life and in your presence, in your space. And then ask yourself some simple questions. Things like, what moment today am I most grateful for? And the opposite of that, what moment today am I least grateful for? Or you could look at it in a different way and just simply ask yourself the question, what what was the high point of this day and what was the low point of this day? So you might surmise that this is a practice that is best done in the evening, at least with these kinds of questions. It's a great way to round out the day because oftentimes at the end of the day when night falls, particularly if we feel alone or are alone, we feel a, sense, a greater sense of hopelessness or uncertainty. And so this is why I want to make that suggestion to you for the end of the day. Share this with your spouse or your partner or your family. This is an opportunity for you to lean into God's goodness through a shared time of prayer. As I read that story about the bread, as I was reminded of that story, and as I was reminded of the simplicity and the simple gift of the examine as a prayer practice, I thought of this as comfort food for the soul. We talk a lot about comfort food. We read a lot about comfort food. Uh, it may be comfortable. It's not necessarily healthy for us. But friends, I want to offer to you that prayer is definitely healthy for us. It's definitely an opportunity to be comforted, to comfort others, and to know that our souls are renewed. Psalm 46 says this, Be still and know that I am God. As we offer this time of prayer, as you uh, explore ways of increasing your prayer life, reinvigorating it, or continuing a strong prayer life, be still and know 
that I am God, the psalmist says. Kathleen Norris says that can, that can be an instantaneous experience or the idea of being still might be one's lifelong work. And I thought about that and I thought, especially during this time where we have been separated physically, it probably feels like being still is a lifelong work. The flip side of that is I heard an elder just this last week, an elder of our church, talk about how they are taking this time, this slowing down time as an opportunity to reassess life and to uh, go deep in uh, spiritual uh, nurture and in prayer as well. This is not work that must happen alone. Sometimes, yes, sometimes we need to be in prayer for ourselves and by ourselves as we seek our grounding and as we center ourselves. But this being still and waiting on God also happens in the presence of community. The ancient monks understood that a life of prayer would manifest itself in relationships with others. If prayer is a matter of concern to you, said the sixth century monk, John Climacus, then show yourself to be merciful. As a dialogue and union with God, he said, prayer has the effect of holding the world together. So friends, it's an invitation, this, off, this life of prayer, to show ourselves to be merciful. It is an opportunity to pray for ourselves, by ourselves, but also the invitation remains to be in prayer as a community so that we can join together in holding together the world. While we cannot together to join hands and to pray in one another's presence, we are still in relationship as a community. While activities and groups and meetings and trips have been canceled or postponed, our relationships have not been canceled. They have not been postponed. They are as active and they can be as vibrant as ever. The physical piece is a huge piece that is missing, but we can endeavor to find other ways to continue to pray with one another and for one another. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we remain in one another's hearts and lives. So let us show ourselves to be merciful and let us keep praying for one another, even as we pray for ourselves. Perhaps now is the time to create a new bond with another person through a prayer partnership. Perhaps now is a time to create a new prayer practice for yourself, which is a private prayer practice, but one that will undoubtedly bring meaning and depth to your life in the face of a lot of other things that are tugging at you and challenging you. I am grateful for those who've taught me throughout my life about the one who is Alpha and Omega, the one who is beginning and ending, and keeper of our lives. This is the one to whom Jesus was praying as he sat in the presence of his friends. It is the one to whom we are invited to pray at this very moment in time. So let us join together in prayer. Let us know that we are invited to show ourselves to be merciful to this world. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, we thank you. We thank you for your presence, for the promise that you're with us at all times and in every circumstance of this life. We thank you that there is never a time that we live apart from you, for you know every hair that falls from our head. You know every decision that we make and every uh, decision that we fail to make. 
You know the needs of our lives even before we offer them to you. Our world is hurting, Lord. We are hurting. Those in our lives are challenged. We thank you for the goodnesses and the graces and the blessings that continue to show themselves to us. Help our hearts be open and our minds to be receptive to what it is that you are teaching us in this season. And above all, gracious God, help us to know that you're near. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.